Hello and welcome back. My name is Jessica Knight and this is the Relationship Recovery Podcast. I am a little under the weather, so if my voice ends up going at one point, I might find a way to end this early and you'll know that it makes sense. But I was thinking this week as I was struggling a bit this weekend and I wanted to let you know what I did when I was really having a harder time. So if anybody has a kid that spends time with the other parent, sometimes they can come home a bit activated and mine certainly did. And there was a few incidents that happened this weekend that caused me to be personally activated as well. And on Sunday, it didn't feel like a day of rest. It didn't feel like a day of rejuvenation. Um, both my daughter and I were both a bit dysregulated. So at night I did something I don't usually do. And I looked ahead at my schedule and asked myself, what do I need this week? What would make me feel better this week? What do I need in my schedule that's not there right now? Where do I need to eliminate some parts of my schedule? And I went ahead and made those changes and sent out the emails. And I don't like having to move things around, but it felt like the best option to bring me back down to equilibrium. And so I also ended up canceling a trip. We were supposed to go away just for the weekend, just my daughter and my dog. And I canceled that too. Um, and decided like, maybe we just need some time to just chill and come back to ourselves and get some things done when I certainly have a bunch of things I need to be working on. So I, this is basically a permission slip that Sometimes we can get into the mindset when we're activated due to the actions of other people that they can't take more energy from us or that if you do end up canceling or rearranging, then they win in some way, but it's actually just you winning because you're learning to take care of yourself. And as a result of doing that, I imagine when triggering situations come up again, you're going to have a different plan of how to manage that. Okay. Okay jump off my soapbox. Um, today I'm going to continue down the train of narcissistic traits and I'm going to aim to do five again. So the last one, the last podcast I did, we talked about six various traits that come up in narcissism. And this is just a reminder that people can have narcissistic traits without being a narcissist. And so the purpose of doing this podcast is that if you are experiencing some of these behaviors that might point you into the direction of one, realizing that, you know, some of these are going to be really hard for them to change. And two, to validate your experience, because sometimes when you hear me say something, you're able to say it to yourself. First one I'm going to talk about today is rage. Sorry, that's where I left off last week. Um, guilt. So, a narcissist will guilt you when they don't get what they want. They feel excessively entitled to everything. They feel they need to coerce you into getting the outcome that they desire. And so what that looks like is there is usually a hidden agenda, whether they know it or not, when they want something or they want a certain outcome. Like if they don't want you to come to something, there might be a hidden agenda. You know, if they want to get something that 
you have the money for and they don't. There may be a hidden agenda. And so it's almost like dealing with a toddler. Like when a toddler doesn't get what they want, when my daughter doesn't get what she wants, she kind of rages on me. But she also will find ways to like treat me a bit differently because she didn't get what she wanted. And so because they feel entitled, if the outcome isn't exactly what they thought, from physical things to actions to sex to arguments, they will try and make you feel guilty. So if you're like, I always feel like no matter what, I'm just feeling really guilty, then you probably are dealing with somebody with a narcissistic trait. You know, and I uh, I was trying to think of an example about this, but the one that kept popping up is actually a kind of silly one. Um, but I had a partner that invited me to a golf tournament. And I'm a new golfer, certainly not something that I, like, would sign up, like, for a $1,000 tournament, but his company was doing this tournament. And it was like, Can, why don't you help me sponsor a team? And I was like, well, you work for the company. Like, are there discounts? Like, do you get, like... You know, like, do you get a free team? That's kind of what I was asking. Like, there's nothing you could do to make me pay 250 for a round of golf. And he was like, no, I was just thinking, like, what if we run it through your company and you could sponsor it? And I was like, no, that's a hard no. Um, and, like, this went on for a while. Like, and he kind of shut down and kind of stopped talking to me. It was really interesting. And I remember just thinking, like, I feel like I just told my daughter I can't. I'm not getting her a toy. And... Of course, I wasn't going to agree, and I couldn't believe he would even ask, but when you work from a place of entitlement, you think you're going to get it. And so I would ask yourself, or I would just kind of notice the behavior if it's, if you feel like you're kind of dealing with a kid. The next one I want to talk about is mistreatment. And after mistreating you, they try and get you to feel sorry for them. Sometimes it might be a pity ploy. And that usually is their way to skirt responsibility. And instead, you have to work hard to please them. Now, this one can be quite challenging. It's really hard to understand if you're on the outside of a narcissistic relationship. But when you're on the inside of it, you're like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what happens. They're sorry, but then somehow I end up feeling bad that they had to apologize. And this is going to be really hard for you to not feel guilty when this happens and to not take responsibility. You may even experience some of their anger when you don't take responsibility for them being sad or them feeling sorry. But this is where personal boundaries come into place. And something my grandma used to always say is guilt is only yours if you accept it. And I have taken that throughout my whole life. And when I was finally starting to see my relationship without rose-colored glasses, I stopped taking responsibility for things that weren't mine. And if somebody was sorry and I wasn't accepting it in the way that they wanted me to accept it, I let that be. I wasn't going to feel bad that, you know, I'm not like, oh my God, I get it. Like, I forgive you. Like you said, sorry. I probably said, okay. Cause at that point I've heard so many broken apologies. That I didn't even believe it anymore. So just be mindful, be mindful of your take care, taking them when they should be apologizing to you. Because if you think about when you apologize to somebody, you do obviously care about their reaction, but usually when you are so genuine in that apology, it doesn't always matter what their reaction is because you know you're truly sorry. But this leads to the next one, that they rarely, rarely take accountability for their actions. Because when they do apologize, 
It's usually to get you to forgive them. There's no actual change in their behavior accompanying this apology. They might even continue with the same behavior and work on it with even more force after you've pointed out. This one is key because when this happens, they're they're not taking they're not looking at their behavior, seeing that there's a consequence and moving forward. They're looking at their behavior, finding a way to continue doing that behavior without you realizing. And when I say they apologize to just get you to forgive them, it's so that they're free from the shame. They've gotten their out in a way they feel like they won. So it's just important that if, that when you are dealing with a personality like this, if you're getting an apology, the apology has to be followed by a change in behavior. Otherwise, it's just words. Next one I want to go after, next one I want to dive into is superiority. And so a narcissist or somebody with narcissistic traits will act superior and treat you with contempt as if you were below them in some way. Toxic people believe that others exist to serve them that they deserve to be the center of that attention. They don't like seeing the success of others, nor do they want to feel as somebody could surpass them in any way. And the way that this shows up or presents itself is usually through shame. Like they might look shameful, feel shameful, remove themselves from situations they don't want to be in if they're not at the top in front. And the last one I'm going to touch on today is that they will use chronic sarcasm, like the form of sarcasm that is not a way to make you like to build report report or make you feel like you're on top of the world. It's really to demean you and make you feel small. It's not to engage in like a banter of some kind. It is like this undercut sarcasm that you don't ever actually understand if they mean it or not. And so if any of those resonated with you today, I would really just think about some of the traits and what you're experiencing. And there are a lot of resources online to look up narcissistic behaviors and just to start to right size the situation because a lot of times we feel crazy. You were not thinking that this actually follows a very specific pattern of behavior. And so I hope this was helpful for you today. And if you need any more resources, feel free to reach out to me at Jessica at JessicaNightCoaching.com or you could follow me on Instagram at JessicaNightCoaching. We'll continue on with these next week.